On this third Sunday of Advent, <clears throat> we're going to continue spending some time with John the Baptist, whose specific role was to prepare the way of the Lord, to make a highway in the wilderness for our God. And he does that not only by the words that he says to us, but also through the pattern of his own life. And uh, the 21st, as I understand it, is the winter solstice, meaning it's the darkest day of the year. And it seems appropriate then, um, uh, both as we walk through our Advent season, to remember the light that comes into the world, to shine brightly even in the darkness, uh, such that the darkness cannot overcome it, but, but also to see how John, in a dark night of his own life, and in a dark season, came to hear once more from Jesus in a way that filled him with hope and strength at the last. And so um, we'll move into that in just a moment. But first, let us together pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift of this day. We give you thanks of the, for the opportunity to gather on this, the first day of the week, the day when we remember your resurrection from the dead. We remember, Lord Jesus, that you are indeed Lord of heaven and earth um, and of all that might separate us from you. You have been victorious. And so as you've gathered us in this day as your children to take shelter beneath your wings, we pray that we might be opened in our hearts to hear what you have to say to us, that we might be reminded of your comfort and of your love and of all your promises. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would move us from memory into hope. We pray that you would take us from all the disparate places that we are to the place that you would have us to be. And we ask this by the power of your Holy Spirit, and in your name, Lord Jesus, amen. So I've, <clears throat> I've written something this morning that I hope will help you to imagine just a little bit what it might be like to be moved from a place of struggle and into hope. I invite you to picture this. John. John heard the sounds of muffled footsteps approaching the locked door. Moments later, a plate slid into his cell, scraping the stone floor beneath. On it was a dried-out husk of bread, tooth marks, and a hint of bluish-green along the edge made it clear that this particular morsel had a history that long preceded him. <clears throat> John unfolded himself from his seated position on the floor. He looked like a pile of bones and matted hair covered with straw. His hands were weak. His knees were feeble. And if he was completely honest with himself, there was also a hint of anxiety in his heart. Prison had not been kind to him. The leather belt round his waist was tighter than ever. You may know that sometime before Jesus' ministry began, John had been arrested and thrown into prison. And so in his own way, he had exchanged one wilderness for another, uh, one barren and harsh landscape, this man who was out beyond the Jordan, for another. In his own way, one form of the ascetic life for another. And so really in prison, John spent much of his time, as he always had, he spent it in prayer. And one of his favorite passages to meditate upon 
was from the prophet Isaiah, who spoke of the day when the Messiah would come to Israel. And it was this prophetic utterance that had so shaped John's imagination and given substance to his own calling from God to prepare the way of the Lord, make straight a highway in the wilderness for our God. So pushing the scrap of bread to the side and with a deep sigh, John recited the scripture again in his mind and he treasured up the words of Isaiah in his heart, leaning into the memory of God's people. And I would invite you to listen carefully and listen well to those same words which come to us from the 35th chapter of Isaiah, verses 2 through 11. John remembered the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord and the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of the jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes and a highway shall be there. And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. Even if they're fools, they will not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any, any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you might imagine, the promise that God will come and save you sounded pretty good to a man in jail. For one with an anxious heart and feeble knees and weakened hands to chew on this promise was heartening indeed. It was a memory worth keeping. To know that a highway would open up in those desert places which had so miraculously begun to flow with water was incredible to imagine for one whose life had been spent in dry and barren landscapes. To recognize a highway that passed through a sea of reeds spoke to John of another memory when God had also delivered Israel from bondage in Egypt and brought them to safety. 
we translate that passage that the Israelites made through this, the Red Sea, that highway that opened up for them there, better when we translate it Sea of Reeds. And so, on that highway, neither the bloodthirsty or unclean or ravenous Egyptians could pass upon it, but only the redeemed, the purchased, the bought back, the saved of the Lord could walk across. You see, in this way, John knew that the Messiah's coming would be like another, even greater exodus. This time marked by holiness and an abundance of life. So much life and beauty and abundance, in fact, that even the desert places would be transformed into watering holes. And the barren wastelands would be covered with blossoms as far as the eye could see. The whole world would be turned back into a garden where God might once again walk with His people in the cool of the day. A greater exodus, a more perfect Eden. The memory of God's work in the past was causing a very, very powerful sense of hope in the present. John noticed his legs feeling a bit stronger and his grip a little tighter and the anxious pit in his stomach. He somehow was now experienced more as anticipation and even hope. You see, John knew, he also knew that when the messianic arrival happened, it wouldn't just transform the world around him, it would also transform the people in it. Because there in Isaiah, it was very clear. When the Messiah arrived, the one for whom John had been preparing the way, the eyes of the blind would be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. In that day, the lame man would leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute would sing for joy. Exodus, Eden, water in the desert, and God with us kind of joy. John opened his eyes and returned from his reverie. The harsh reality of his imprisonment immediately disappointed him. He nibbled at the moldy bread. Nothing around him looked like Eden. And if Exodus' freedom awaited him, the chains about his feet that rattled and shook and screamed reminded him with every step that Exodus had not yet come. Did he dare hope? Did he dare believe? Oh, if he could only send a word in that moment, in that dark moment, to Jesus, <coughs> the one whose kingdom he had proclaimed and about whose deeds he had so recently heard, well, a message he did send and a response from Jesus he did receive. It's actually recorded in Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 6. And it goes like this. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the, de and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. 
And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And I can't help but to see John as he leapt up high and shook his chains and rejoiced as even into that harsh and barren prison streams of water began to flow. I see prison guards turned round staring into the darkness as they heard John praising God from the depths for even in captivity he was given to know that Christ indeed is the one whom God has sent and that his kingdom is even greater than even Isaiah could put it into words. For Isaiah spoke of the lame walking and the blind seeing, but he spoke nothing in his prophecy of the actual dead being raised. Life indeed was triumphing, flashing forth in dry prisons and blossoming life in abundance where all had previously looked hopeless and dead. John heard the muffled sound of footsteps approaching the locked door. Moments later, a plate slid into his cell, scraping the stone floor beneath. On it was a dried-out hunk of bread. Tooth marks and a hint of bluish-green along the edge made it clear that this particular morsel had a history that long preceded him. But John, renewed now by history that long preceded even his own life, had been moved by memory toward hope. And having hoped, and then having offered up all of his inquiries and questions and doubts and fears to Jesus, had received back a word which was even better than life, more sustaining than bread, and allowed him to face what was even his own soon and approaching death, with singing and with confidence and joy. Why? Because in Jesus he had found an even better exodus. And in Jesus, he had observed a world-encompassing Eden. And in Christ's presence, well, the lame walk. And in Christ's presence, the deaf hear. And in Christ's presence, the blind see. And in Christ's presence, the poor are made rich. And in Jesus, and with Jesus, and through Jesus, even the dead live. Now, I don't know what sounds you hear in the hallways of your life. And I don't know what molded bread you've been trying to eat to sustain yourself. But I do know that even in the midst of a world that can all too often seem like a desert or sometimes even a prison, God's word to you is life. And John's prison life example to us leads us from memory to hope. And from hope into the arms of Jesus, our healer and our redeemer, the one who has purchased us back and draws us, yes, to Zion. And so from these prison bars, then, let's remember God's word and work in the past. And let's open our hearts to the kind of hope that Jesus gives. And let's long together, it's what Advent is for, let's long together for the day when the desert lands run with water. And let's long together for the day when the blind will see and the dead will rise and Christ Jesus comes again. And while we're at it, let's work towards that end too. Because it is Advent and the Savior is coming. 
and he comes soon. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.